You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. Welcome back to part four of Bat Month, celebrating 75 years of Bat Wondrousness. I am Mike. I'm Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I might not be the co-host you need, but I'm the co-host you deserve. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, So we're on show 64. Wow. Yeah. I I love how we say that every week, and we're always surprised when the number's one greater. I think it's for the fact that we can't count. Yes. If I didn't write that number down, we would do in the first episode for almost a year and a half now. So year and a half, your math is off. It is. <laughs> math is hard, Pat. You're in a quarter. I'll give you that. I would say that, but I can't say that word. <laughs> quarter. Yes, that's the word. That's the word. <laughs> so uh, we are forty going on fourteen. And if you like to like to listen to our show, uh, you can find us on Musings of a Geek Network with other wonderful shows as Who the What Now, um, <laughs> Two Guys with Beards. I love it how every week he's like, um. Yeah. And there's other shows. And a bunch of other shows that I really should have written down. <laughs> in addition to Who the What Now, Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks and the other uh, two shows we talk about every week. We've also got the Salty Language, Geek Dig, The Left Field Sports Lounge, Arrow of Time, Moving the Needle, That'll Play, Media Feed, Culture Babble, Sweating the Small Stuff, and uh, Goose and the Arkham Social Hour. All right. Also, if you want to get some of our older shows... You can find us on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe. And uh, if you want to leave us a voicemail, which we are about to step into, the weird and wonderful voicemail <laughs> land, 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. So let me guess. Do we have a voicemail from Charlie? We do. <laughs> Yay! I love My that. week would not be complete without the insane ramblings of Charlie. I can't believe uh, this is two, two weeks in a row without listener chiming, chiming in. Uh, we have something from Charlie that is uh, on point. Is he calling out another listener? No. Is he calling me out? No, it's 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 a short one, but it is topical. Ooh. Here we go. Okay, so let, let me get this straight. Uh, Batman and Judge Dredd had a crossover, and there's other judges like Judge Death and Judge Anderson, as in Judge Harry Anderson from Night Court. Because uh, that's that's a twist I didn't expect. Huh. <laughs> uh, no, Judge Anderson is a side judge. She's a psych, psychic judge. That would is thought you were joking. And the opposite of uh, Judge Dredd. She's so like, there really is a Judge Anderson. Yeah, yeah, she's like a foil. She had her own series. Well, she still has her own series, I think. Yeah, she's pretty badass. She's very popular in the Judge Dredd universe. Um, the only second to to Joe Dredd himself. So, uh, what are the powers of Judge Reinhold? He can stick a banana in a tailpipe. <laughs> okay. I'm really and glad make crappy you said movies. tailpipe. And he wears a funny clown mask. And he smells like 
tissues. That was a, that was a ruthless people shout out, by the way. Yeah. And he masturbates in bathrooms to PB Kate's getting out of a swimming pool. But who doesn't? I know, right? Wait. Yeah. Anyway. Can't, so, can't say that I haven't done that. On to yes. the main show, Phoebe Cates. Judge Anderson. Ooh, we'll do that someday. Judge Anderson so is a very popular character in Judge Dredd. Blonde, psychic judge. Okay, moving on. Okay, moving on. We've also got a voicemail from Luke from Chicago. Hello. This is Luke from Chicago. Unfortunately, uh, I didn't have time to call to tell you to watch... The best episode of Batman the Animated Series almost got him. The one where the, uh, the uh, villains are all sitting around playing cards, telling the stories about how they almost got Batman, um, which is a great episode anyway, and then the, the uh, twist at the end is just is fantastic. Um, so if, you, if, you're, uh, if you didn't see that one, you're missing out. Also, Batman Beyond, disagree with, with most everybody. Uh, the best part of that is not so much, you know, the new Batman and the whiny and the blah, 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 and the stupid jokers, but old man Bruce Wayne. It's amazing. It's the only reason you watch that show is for old man Bruce Wayne and also kind of Ace. Uh, Ace the dog. But, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the trick there. Like, the whole thing, he's like, that's not the name I call myself. I mean, come on. That's brilliant. Brilliant. So, anyway, enjoying... That month, that November, whatever it is. There it is. It's that cold. I mean, seriously, stop it. Um, but what I'm waiting for, so the movie episode, movie I insist that somebody do the, their entire review of the Christopher Nolan movies in the Batman voice. I think this is a thing that needs to happen. I think its time has come. And I request, nay, demand that somebody do this. All right. Well, that's it. I'm going to continue freezing here. Uh, frozen bat butts to the frozen bat front, y'all. Out. <laughs> I'm going to deny your request. Yeah, I think if one of us did that for the entire second half of the show, we would not be able to talk normally tomorrow. <laughs> I, I talk no. for a living, so I really can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I also love the bit. It's like, hey, it's like our bat butts are getting frozen off. He, he like breaks into a stand-up routine in the middle of that voicemail. I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> What's the deal with frozen bad member? <laughs> <laughs> Luke. Uh, so, I have seen that episode that he was talking about. And does it have the twist at the end that he the, said is so phenomenal? Well, I mean, it's not as phenomenal as, like, you know, Luke, my, you're my, you know, I'm the father. But uh, it's, they're all sitting around playing poker. And uh, at the very end, Batman's been sitting at the table the whole time in costume. That's oh, it. nice. He, yeah. he, do, he does that. You know, see, and, and that was my favorite part of Batman Beyond was old man Bruce Wayne. And I think it's because to me, after reading The Dark Knight Returns, I just that Batman is the one that I really enjoy the most. And so that was kind of the closest thing to that Batman. Yeah, I don't know that we gave uh, that particular character enough credit. I think that my point was he was the best part of that show, but the show didn't succeed even with him. He was not enough to make the show good. He certainly was the only redeeming quality as far as I was concerned about Batman Beyond. Mm-hmm. Which so, one was that? That was the future one with the goofy skinny suit uh, with Batman being Terry McGinnis. Oh, I think uh, that's the one I didn't see. Okay. Yeah, we talked a bit about how like uh, the one of the beginning things was Batman was so old and decrepit that he had found himself using a gun and that was about it. Well, see, when you have a character with that much rich history, it's it's fascinating to kind of see 
where they're going to end up after a year, years and years of crime fighting. How, what's it going to do to them? What's it going to do to their personality, their body, their everything? And to me, that's that's as interesting as any of the stories that came prior. So, but to see it on uh, in that show was like, oh, cool! I get to see you know the the Dark Knight Returns kind of brought to life in some way. So yeah, I mean, in a way, for me, that was almost more infuriating because you had a really cool old man Bruce Wayne who was well drawn, well voiced, and acted in this shitty 1990s uh, pseudo cyberpunk world. Which meant that I thought the character deserved better than that world to yes. exist in. Yes, absolutely. So, just my take. I know Mike enjoys it. I enjoy it. That's about it. All I, right, that is our it. listener feedback for this week. Uh, All right, and uh, shall we hit that time? I believe it's about that time, yes. Yay. It is about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. <laughs> Thank you. All right. If he's not going to play the damn bumper that I want, then I'm going to. I'm going to be the in. hero he well, deserves. Well, guess what? You're in the you're in the bumper for next week. <laughs> <laughs> the classic bumper with Jill going and sports. <laughs> and sports. All right. So uh, this year we have got this year. Why do I keep doing that? Oh no, that's right. <laughs> this week in 1966. You well, you'll get it by week by week seventy of our show. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, this week now, in nineteen. 19- what are we in? Two and a half years by that point, Pat. <laughs> I'm gonna punch you. I think that's about two score. Oh god. <laughs> about six elf. <laughs> uh, this week in nineteen sixty six, the year of Adam West's Batman movie. Dun dun dun. That comes out and uh, music. The number one song in nineteen sixty six in this week was Winchester Cathedral by the new vaudeville band. Yes, hang on, hang on. Hopefully... Oh my god, yeah, two weeks in a row where we end up talking about Winchester Cathedral. This is gonna... You have to see the video. I'm just gonna let that play in the background. No. So, uh, Winchester Cathedral by the new vaudeville band followed up by... Y-C-M-H-O by the Supremes. Uh, that's Young Cockmasters Hangout. <laughs> is, that like a, is that like the He-Man Woman Haters Club? I want to be a member of the Young Hangout. Well, I guess I know where I'm joining. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go down to the Young Cockmasters Hangout. <laughs> there are a bunch of jerks down there. This conversation is so much better with this music playing in the background. <laughs> This song. And that is, you keep me hanging on. So apparently oh. the C should be a K. Great song. <laughs> great, <laughs> great song, though. Well, uh, also in this uh, day in 1966, the Jimi Hendrix experience makes its London, London? London debut at Bag of Nails Club. I'm never going to get this goddamn song out of my head. <laughs> All right. It does have a catchy little earwig. Yeah, it does. Earworm. Earworm, whatever. Yes. Earwigs are the things that fall in your oatmeal and you don't notice it. And they have they have an amazing style. They look yeah. like they're straight out of today. They really do. No, they, yeah. Wait, earwigs? <laughs> they all have those little <laughs> things on the back. the fashion sense of earwigs? <laughs> the new vaudeville band. Oh, that makes more sense. 
All right, okay. now, now that we've poisoned the audience, shirt. we're going to stop that. It's a movie. <laughs> Every girl's crazy about a sharp-dressed earwig. <laughs> yeah, that's disturbing. So now it's time for movies. Uh, Manos, Hands of Fate, and Fahrenheit 451 are the top movies in November 1966. But the number one movie is Penelope, starring the only kind of wood that doesn't float. The late Natalie Wood. <laughs> I wow. I cannot believe I read that out loud. <laughs> I can't Speaking believe of, I was so intent on not screwing up any of the words that I just follow that right along. If you want to see a great episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000, watch the Manos Hand of Fate one. It's great. Did yep. you hear the story about um, where they got the title for Fahrenheit 451? Is that Ray Bradbury? They were turning into the movie and they got the initial name of the movie was supposed to be The Fireman and they decided that that was too boring. So they're like, well, what about, you know, you know, the, what temperature paper burns at? You know, because they're burning paper. So like, well, we don't know what it is. So they called a fire department. In the town that they were in, like, what temperature does fire burn? Does paper burn at? And they're like, well, hang on. <laughs> they put them on hold. They left, burnt something, came back, like, yeah, it's four fifty one. I'm like, okay, cool, thank you. <laughs> so some cool firemen out there for that. I like that story. Uh, born on November seventeenth, also in movies, Sophie Marceau, actress, and on November twenty third, Vincent Cassel, actor and former cock holster for Chloe Svegny. Chloe Sevigny. Oh. And <laughs> Vincent Cassell is awesome. Have you, do you, you, well, you might know him from Ocean's 13, I yeah, think he was played his. The, he, no, it was, it was 12 where he played. Was it 12? The, yeah. But he yeah. was phenomenal. Which, by the way, just a, sorry, 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 but sorry, real quick, ahead. just a quick aside on my, my feelings on Ocean's 12. If, if it's you as a single person versus this crew of 12 people in a robbery, the 12 people automatically lose because they need 12 people to equal you so that's one of the things i hated about that like it's our crew versus you as the best thieves in the world i'm like well you have 12 people he's got one guy so i'm sorry that's okay well vincent cassell if you're not familiar with the first movie i ever saw him was called la haine uh also known as the hate it's a french film about nazi punk youth it's phenomenal but most people probably know him from oceans 12 uh he's he's kind of a big deal as far as french actors go um he was in uh the crimson rivers series with uh jean renault um he was in irreversible uh he was in oceans 13 actually he in a movie called shaitan which is a horror movie that's kind of whacked out he was in the black swan he's really great actor out of france and if you've never if you don't know who he is now look him up and go watch his movies there he's great Okay, I'm done. I think cool. he's good. I don't know if great. I think he is good. awesome. Yeah. And Chloe Seventy. Anyway, so TV. Oh, uh, top three. Wow. Th- th- ah, I had Whoa. a bunch of I had a bunch of peppermint, peppermint JoJo's and I don't know snack. what that said meant. Yeah, little peppermint Oreo cookies like, from Trader Joe's. The Trader Joe's version of Oreos. Oh. Yeah. Hydrox. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. They're better than Hydrox. Much better than Hydrox. Oreos. You know what you, you know, do? Hydrox has been around longer than Oreos. I totally go yes. off on a tangent here. You take the take the peppermint Oreos, you mash them up, and you make a pie crust out of them, and then you fill the pie with either vanilla or peppermint ice cream or meat. Yeah, meat, meat pie. Okay, so TV. What the hell is going on? <laughs> Put lamb in there. It'd be good. You know. Lamb and peppermint. Uh, top three shows in 1966 in order are Bonanza, The Red Skelton Show, and The Lucy Show. And how many of those people were guest stars in Batman the TV series? Red Skelton. Anyway, moving on. Uh, John Layfield. And Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, the original one. Mm-hmm. Yes. I uh, think we're doing the Alzheimer's show now. <laughs> You know, TV, the top awesome three shows in order are Bonanza, Red Skelton <laughs> Show, and The Lucy Show. Name how many of those people were in Batman the TV series? And Red Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> the original. <laughs> we should do an Alzheimer's show. <laughs> if you, if, wait, wait. Right if you're really quiet, you can hear Josh having an aneurysm. <laughs> 
Hi, Sarah. <laughs> so, John Layfield <laughs> is born <laughs> on November 29th. The man better known as Bradshaw or LBJLB <laughs> in WWE. That's his initials, Mike. Come on. I know. <laughs> LBJ started seeing. Lyndon Johnson? Uh, my eyes WWE? twisted it around. See? Oh, my God. He fought Teddy Roosevelt. I would, so, I would so watch Lyndon B. Johnson in the ring. Oh, God. Uh, JBL in the Naomi WWE. Watts? Yes. Born November 20th, 1966. Wow. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. It's a sport. Uh, Washington Redskins and the New York Giants combined for a total of 113 points in one game on November 27th, 1966 in Washington. Wow. Is that that's, that's a, a lot. lot? That's the okay. most points that have ever been scored in a regulation football game, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, a touchdown is six points with the extra point you go to seven. So okay. 113 is a lot. Okay. The Redskins outscored the Giants 72-41. to 41. There were a total of 16 touchdowns, 10 by Washington, 6 by New York, and a field goal by Washington's kicker, Charlie Gogolak. 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 Whatever. I think he's a transformer. Go go thirteen. <laughs> no, a name like that. He's a, he's just a go 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 bot. Oh, gotcha. I, li- I like how they were ahead sixty nine to forty one, and with seven seconds left, they kick a field goal anyway. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. So the game was played before the introduction of the nets behind the goalpost, causing the loss of fourteen balls to the stands. Jeez. The game was also played before the introduction of defense. <laughs> <laughs> You think, it, wow, could it take them until 1966 for somebody to say, you know, we should probably put a net back there to catch yeah. these? Wow. Well, that's how long it took somebody to put it together. All right. So, uh, 13 of the footballs were lost due to extra points. One was lost by Brig Owens, who threw the ball into the crowd after he returned a fumble for 62 yards for a score. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure they were pissed. They're like, guys, we're losing one every time you get a touchdown. We're running out of footballs. <laughs> and he's we're like, oh, to- yeah, watch this. Whoop. <laughs> <laughs> Ah. All right, that is dun 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 this weekend. Yeah, da 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 da. All right, so main show save the big one for the last. Batman the movies. You're not kidding about like this being the big one. Like I know we've done a whole lot of media shows in the sixty odd shows we've done, but. These movies are unusually long. They and there's are. a lot of them. I did not expect them to be that long. I thought I was going <clears> to <throat> knock out like four of them today. No. Well, Two hours fit- is a short Batman movie, apparently. Eight movies when you include the Adam West one. And all of the seven modern ones are at least two hours each. Yeah, and I did watch four movies today. And I started at breakfast and ended when we started recording the show. Wow. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Typically, I have the day we record our shows off from work, so I can do a lot of preparation. And I thought I was going to get to do other things like lunch today, but <laughs> no, not so much. Well, even the original Batman movie, the Adam Weston was 105 minutes. So we're starting in 1966? Yes. So close your eyes and go back to 1966 with me. <laughs> No, I'm not, I can't do that. <laughs> and I go back to 1966 and I'm negative 10, so that yeah, doesn't I, work. I wasn't even a twinkle in my father's pants yet, so. Yeah, I'm my, negative. My older sister hadn't even been born. No. So, uh, Batman, Adam West and Burt Ward version. The arch-villains of the United Underworld, uh, Joker, Penguin, Riddler, and Catwoman combine forces to get rid of Batman and Robin. And they uh, dehydrate nine yes. Security Council members from the United World Building into crystals. It's classic. <laughs> it really yep. is. That's what it's... happens when you dehydrate somebody. They turn into crystals. Mm-hmm. And then you That's can put them in a little know. tube and add a little water and they come back. That's just science. <laughs> Instant politician. <laughs> 
Just that oh, bullshit. Yeah. Anyway. Just well, that asshole. <laughs> this is as cheesy as cheesy can be. This initially, uh, Adam West was reluctant about making the movie, and he decided to do it after the producers told him that if he didn't get involved in it, then there's going to be a new Batman next year, pretty much. I mean, you know it's bad when Adam West is like, maybe we shouldn't do this. Because <laughs> Adam West will do anything that you ask him to. He's like he's like the original Nick Cage. Yeah, but this is so amazing. I mean, if you're just looking for good old cheesy, you know, Adam West Batman, it doesn't get much better than this one. Yeah. The labels on everything, the bat shark repellent, the, yeah. you, know, the, you know, the bat flamethrower, you know, or whatever, all that <laughs> stuff that they had. Yeah, you and I use the word better for very different things. Well, it's better cheese. <laughs> Fair. Well, originally this was planned as a pilot for the film, and uh, the movie was instead for the, produced, sh- for the show. For the show, sorry, and uh, it was produced between the show's first and second seasons. They took advantage of the larger budget that they had over the next season to, like, hey, look at all this money they gave us. Let's make a helicopter. <laughs> so they had the bat boat, the bat copter. Uh, they tweaked out the Batmobile a little bit. Did George Barris design the helicopter and the and the boat? Because he designed the car. I just wondered. Oh, I, did don't, anybody, I don't know. I haven't. Anybody know? No. No, I, I do not know. If well, someone does, but unfortunately, they're not on this show. Damn it. <clears throat> so, super cheesy. I mean, it seems like they wanted to get all the jokes they weren't able to use in the first season out. Yeah, it's almost weird because I think that in this, I was lightly defending certain aspects of the series for actually being legitimately cool, like the Batcave set and all of that. But you get to the movie and it's like they played up the worst aspect. Well, I don't want to say the worst, but the, the corniest aspects. Well, yeah, with everything being labeled the bat something or other, uh, though the bomb, trying to get rid of the bomb scene, I still laugh at that one. Oh, yeah. You know, when he comes around, there's the nuns around one corner, he turns the next corner, and there's the Salvation Army band coming at him. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of breaking of the fourth wall in this one, too. Safety first, chum. Yep. <laughs> so, <clears throat> this one is just as uh, cheesy. Take everything that we talked about in the show about the Batman TV show, and just pretend that instead of saying show, we're saying movie. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh so we get nothing on Batman movies for a long while. Yeah, there's a drought for many, many, many years. Many, many years. And then in 1988, we get announced that there's a Batman movie coming out. And who's playing Batman? Michael Keaton. And everybody did a collective, what? Yep. And, yep. And everybody said, Mr. Mom is going to play Batman? Gung-ho? Yeah, gung-ho, Michael Keaton, that wacky, zany comedian. Who, by the way, is still friggin' hilarious. It's still awesome yeah. in everything he does. I love Michael Keaton with a passion. What um, has he done lately? Oh, he was in the the other guys. He played the uh, the um, what? Oh, the other guys. He was the he was the police chief, and um, he, that also worked at Bed Bath and Beyond. Yeah, and he's now got the movie Birdman coming out, which is getting huge praise already. Oh yeah, that looks good. <clears throat> he, um, was, he did a voice in Toy Story three. He's yeah. yeah, I mean he's still working. He works. Yeah, dude, pretty he was in he was steadily. the bad guy in the Robocop remake. Yeah, good point. I mean, I remember when this was announced, I was in the the beginning like stages of my comic collecting and when it was announced I got real excited and then I heard Jack Nicholson was playing the Joker and I just got even more excited. But it happened to be the same time when I was going to Korea and I lived in Korea for a, a few months um, with some friends over the summer. 
And the movie came out while I was in Korea. And it, but it didn't come out in Korea. It was only out in the States. So I had to wait until I got back. Oh, geez. To see it. And so while I was there, every, every chance I got, I, if I saw trading cards or magazines that had features on it or, or the soundtrack, anything I get my hands on, I would absorb. And I, most of the movie I, I learned from reading and listening to the soundtrack. So when I got back and I went to the theater, it was like, you know how when you like, you have this huge build up till something and you, you're either going to get the payoff or you're going to have built it up so much in your mind that you it just can't live up to the hype and it lived up to every bit of the hype it, to me and in 1989 i was it was so i was so happy dude opening night midnight i was there went out wow i didn't even realize they did midnight shows back in 89 <laughs> yeah I uh, yeah i was uh got together with some of my some of my high school buddies and uh my dad First, first time I ever heard of an op- of an opening midnight night was for uh, the first Lord of the Rings. Really? Uh, for me, I think it was a little before it was King Kong. Yeah, mine was Batman. Or was King Kong after Lord of the Rings? Shit. King Kong was know. after Lord of the Rings. What? Uh, after the first Lord of the Rings? Yeah, yeah. I don't know for sure. Uh, anyway, not important. So, anyway, but... Um, Starring Michael Keaton as Batman Bruce Wayne, Jack Nicholson as the Joker, Jack Napier, Kim Basinger as Vicky Vale, Robert Wool by, as played by Alexander Knox. Billy Dee Williams as Harvey Dent. Yes. And uh, a great cast. Jack Nicholson solidified what the Joker was for many years after that. I mean, he, he played it off as... Prince, basically. He, he played, it, played as- it off as Prince? Yeah. <laughs> What do you what do you mean? What? Uh we'll we'll get to I loved the movie in eighty nine. Uh watching it recently well, continue on. Okay, well, well, yeah, because I got some thoughts on watching it last night. But anyway, yes, moving on. Go ahead. We'll do a couple trivias here. Uh, before the Joker enters uh, Gotham City Cathedral with Vicky, he requests transportation for two to arrive in ten minutes. Between that time to the, the helicopter mm-hmm. showing up is in real time ten minutes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a cool little Burton-esque type thing. Um, other character, other characters, other uh, actors who Act- are considered for the role of the Joker were Willem Dafoe, David Bowie, John Lithgow. That would be weird. I don't know. I think I don't know if it'd be good weird or bad weird. But John Lithgow. He played a great villain on Dexter. Yeah, he's but a horrible villain on Ricochet. So I don't know. He's he's capable of it. He has to be a certain type of character though. Uh, Tim Curry and James Woods. Uh, There was also. Did you hear about the Robin Williams thing with uh, the Joker? No, I thought it was Riddler. I thought it was Riddler too. Yeah, I was pretty sure it was Riddler. Not the sequel to Riddler, but anyway. I thought it was. uh, Well, Josh, tell tell your tell talk to me about Prince. About Prince. Oh, well, here was the thing is like, I remember loving this movie so much. Uh, I placed it in the good, uh, portion of Tim Burton's catalog. And then I watched it the other day and I was shocked at how badly it held up. Like, a lot of people say that, oh, well, there was a lot of bad things about the casting and the writing, but they singled out Jack Nicholson as being an awesome Joker. And when I was watching it, it was actually kind of cringy. Like, I love the music. I love the set design, like the concept of the way they were doing Gotham. But uh, all of the really over-the-top scenery-chewing, awkward 80s, like walking in with a gang that's carrying a boombox as, as this over-exaggerated painter, uh, dancing around uh, to Prince with a little beret on. Uh, I, I didn't find it entertaining. It just was kind of awkward, painfully awkward to me. See, I... I saw all the definite. This is this was made in the late '80s type thing, like the the boombox and all that. But it was more reminiscent for me. See, it wasn't painful. It was like, yeah, this is just as I recalled how awesome I thought it was when I first saw it. 
So that was oh. my that was my take on it. It's just one of those where I, you know, the the whole scene with them coming in with the Joker face with the big spiral on the back of this jacket and everyone being, you know, they having that little that neon esque type flavor to it. I I saw that and watched it and felt like it was it was like a happy reminiscence. Yeah, it's, I I recognize that it didn't show didn't hold up, but in the same notion, I didn't mind. See, and here's something that I held so incredibly dear, and I still have my trading cards. I still have, you know, all the things that I got, you know, in, in anticipation and post, pre and post. And for me, Nicholson was a joker then, but watching it, I've seen it twice now in the past, probably, I don't know, three months. And one of them was last night. And I was sitting there kind of watching it with different eyes. And I kind of agree with Josh in a lot of ways. Um, I think Batman himself still holds up. Um, Keaton is still good, but. I think the Joker was just, and knowing more about him now than I did then, the character, he's he's so sublime and so subdued that mm, there's something about it that just, it's not really what I envisioned the Joker as. Well, okay, you're not you're not going to cast Jack Nicholson as anything and not get Jack Nicholson playing Jack Nicholson, especially back then. I mean, it, has, it hasn't been until the last like ten years he's really started like expanding. But I mean, Jack Nicholson, he's kind of like Al Pacino. He's just loved for being himself, and every character he plays is the same character. There's very few you know differences between the characters. So you're going to you're not going to get like Joker, uh, the Heath Ledger type of Joker, where he completely loses himself in the character. You're going to get Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Mm-hmm. Sure, I don't um, know. It, it bothered it. It bugged me. A lot more last night than it had in the previous viewings, just because, and it's not because of Ledger's Joker. I, I consider them two totally different takes on the storyline. Oh, I'm just talking about you know the, the methods of acting. You know, it's like looking at at, at at Batman the comic versus Detective Comics. You know, I, not that that means you know what I mean. Like they're two separate things. Or Amazing Spider-Man versus Spectacular Spider-Man. But uh, I'm just it, comparing the schools of acting, method acting versus you know being Jack Nicholson acting. <laughs> I guess in my mind, I always remembered him as being so spot on, and then watching it again, I was like, wow, he's just really kind of so calm and cool and collected that there's not that element of kind of, you don't know what's going to happen next. It's like, you can see that everything is plotted out very, very, very strict. And he's got a real kind of, everything's, everything's thought out in advance. And the Joker to me always was kind of like, there's a loose plan, but he's just going to kind of go with it. And I don't know what were you going to say, Josh. Back to something you said about how Batman held up. I, I have to emphatically disagree. And it's not just for the traditional reasons why everyone, and wants to hate on Michael Keaton for being wrong for the role. That's not my issue with it. Uh, one of the reasons why I believe he is maybe the worst Batman ever, including Adam West, is because uh, at least once in each of his portrayals as Batman in this and in the sequel, he casually murders one of the henchmen of the of the uh, bad guy. And in fact, at the end of this one, he tells Joker, I'm going to kill you. That's one of like the core tenets of Batman is one of the things he doesn't do. Well, that was something I know noticed in this in this movie was like he i mean there was a high body count from joker and batman joker you respect but batman i mean for instance that one scene when you know he dropped all the the little bombs outside of the batmobile when he had the shields up guess what those guys are dead (laughs) yep and uh for someone who doesn't use guns i know in other incarnations and later films we see the batmobile and other bat vehicles with weapons on them the difference is is michael keaton's batman is the only one that uses those vehicle mounted guns to fire at people right so and which that is, one did he kill like i don't remember that part now i'm drawing a blank well he's uh, i mean when he when he was flying in to shoot <clears> the joker he shot the henchmen he did shoot them that was shown plainly um yeah. for some reason he couldn't shoot the joker it was in, in a strange reversal of most normal movies the bat the bad guy well the good guy shot several times and missed the bad guy had one shot and hit which is usually the opposite but you know that's yeah, he, he also big comical but, gun out 
He also but drops yeah, so he, the clock tower bell on the big henchman that's actually handing him his ass. Right. And just flat up kills him, no remorse, walks away. Yeah, and then throws in, him down the, yeah, down the stairwell or whatever. I didn't, yeah, I guess I didn't think about that. And then in Batman Returns, he straight up straps a bomb to a guy and kicks him down a sewer. Yeah. Uh, like I, like no, I said, there's a scene where, he, where he's first entering the, the castle and the, the, you know, the henchmen are around his, the car, he puts the shields up, drops the bombs and, you know, the whole area explodes and he drives off, you know, those guys are dead but was this the point where they actually said i don't use guns yeah this is a core misunderstanding of what the character is all about which if i'm going to give uh people crap for missing the point in other genres i'm certainly not going to give a free pass to batman just because i liked it in the 90s okay all right and then and then my take on the whole movie um well I'm the only one out of the four of us, I think, that never liked this movie. I didn't like it when I was younger. I, when I first saw it, I, I'm not a big Tim Burton fan. I think we've discussed that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, there's, there are very few Tim Burton movies I like. Most of them I just don't. And I, I just don't like his style. I think he tries a little too hard, you know, and I just, I don't know. I didn't like the look of this one when I first saw it. I, I never really had much of a problem as Michael Keaton is, with Michael Keaton as Batman because I've always liked comedians as actors, so I've never had a problem with that. And if you think about it, most, you know, really good actors started off as comedians, you know, one of the best ones in Hollywood, Tom Hanks, for instance. So, I mean, I don't have a problem. I never had a problem with that. I always liked Jack Nicholson's Joker simply because he was a Joker for the masses, not for the comic book fans. He's not the Joker we needed. (laughs) (laughs) He's the Joker the public wanted. Yes. Kim Uh, Basinger is an awful actress, but she's definitely pretty. Did you you ever see L.A. Confidential? She was phenomenal in that. Oh, yeah, she's very good in that. I'm not talking about in in general. I'm just talking about in this movie. You know, she she was bad in this movie. Hmm. Um, Robert Wool is just so 80s, it's ridiculous. I mean, (laughs) you see him in anything and you're like, oh, this movie was made in around 1980. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And there was one other person in this movie. I can't remember who it was. It's so 80s. But anyway, like Commissioner Hmm. Gordon, I mean, just a bad actor. Just, I mean, that that whole character. I mean, like, I love the whole scene when the church bell falls all the way down to the bottom and he just like pushes on it very gently and he's like, oh, well, I guess we can't go through here. Like, like you had any chance of pushing that thing and everybody else is just looking at him like, yeah, we're not going to help you. We're not going to move that. I will give props. Uh, Alfred was well cast and well acted throughout yes, all of these early ones. Also, the uh, end uh, bell tower scene. Where the hell did Joker's henchmen come from? They were waiting up there the whole time. Yeah, Was that? <laughs> I mean, it was just weird that like he I has a bunch of be- henchmen. That, that might have been like the meeting place because the, the helicopter was already planning on being coming there. Okay, that's fair. So they might yeah, have art there, yeah. Yeah, it just jumped out at me at the time. It was like, okay, they sealed off the entrance with the falling of the bell, and there's just more guys jumping out of everywhere. But yeah, I guess if he had uh, uh, called for the helicopter to be there in 10 minutes, it was a pre-selected place, so it's reasonable to assume that he had some henchmen in there already. Yeah, yep, that, that's possible. And uh, what I had said about Robin Williams, uh, he initially was offered the role of the Joker when Jack Nicholson hesitated on it, and he had accepted the role. Then the producers went back to Nicholson, told him that Williams would take the part if he didn't, and then Nicholson decided that he wanted it. Huh. And Williams was pissed off after they let him go, and then he resented being used as bait for Nicholson, refused to play the Riddler in Batman Forever, and then uh, was not involved in any Warner Brothers productions until the studio apologized. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so. But, moving on to Batman Returns. Batman, same dude. Danny DeVito as Penguin, Oswald Cobblebot, and Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, Selina Kyle, and Christopher Walken as Max Shrek. Uh, again, this is um, directed by Tim Burton. As you can tell, music, the whole style of it, the everything's a little bit too big than it should be. Everyone's just a little too weird for normal human beings. 
Um, according to casting director Martin Marion Doherty, Tim Burton was apparently uncomfortable with casting Christopher Walken as Max Shrek. And she asked him why, and his statement was, because that man scares the hell out of me. Needless <laughs> to say, Burton went on to use him in Sleepy Hollow. Oh, yeah, but Christopher Walken is scary as hell. Uh, Danny should De- be scared of him, yes. Definitely. Yeah, that is, if you're going to be scared of anybody, be scared of Christopher Walken. Yeah, I believe his sharpened teeth in Sleepy Hollow are his actual teeth. Yeah, they just <laughs> took the caps off to make him yeah. look normal. Yeah. Uh, Danny DeVito remained in character between takes. That was mainly because his makeup was just so hard to take off, you just figured just get, get lost in the character. Yeah, yeah that must have made catering weird. <laughs> He's asking for raw fish. Uh, several modifications were made to the Batsuit between the first and second movie, including the color scheme and the logo on the chest plate. And Michael Keaton, in a wise move, says, hey, can we put a zipper on this? So, uh, yeah, less wise costume uh, comes to Michelle Pfeiffer's cat suit, which uh, was so tight. She was actually vacuum sealed into it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was so tight that she could only act in it for a few minutes before it would make her pass out. Uh, The other. Oh, yeah. Talking about everything. Yeah, I'm talking about that uh, vinyl suit. And uh, basically, once they broke the vacuum seal, that particular suit was ruined. So they ended up going through a whole bunch of copies of these things. At like a thousand dollars a pop. Yeah, the other problem they had with the suit was once it was on her, she couldn't hear her own voice. So the whole time they were directing her, uh, Burton was like, "You need to stop yelling." Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what's your take she on this look one? Good though. Oh, I mean, you got to admit that that scene when she does the when she does that uh, flips in front of the store exploding and just says that meow. <laughs> I don't or think that was her licking. Flip, though. Yeah. No. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Or the licking part. Part. Yeah. Everybody always talks about the licking part. Uh, and in the scene where she's in the upper room with the Joker, she actually did hold that bird in her mouth. Live bird yep. stuck in her mouth. You mean the penguin? Joker was well dead by this Yeah, point. sorry, penguin. Uh, uh, I, uh, uh, I was so uh, focusing uh, on uh, saying uh, bird uh, in the uh, mouth uh, correctly. Uh, 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 <laughs> um, Christopher Walken, weird as normal. Yeah, playing Max Shrek, who is a uh, reference to the actor who played Nosferatu in the silent film. Mm-hmm. Uh, plot-wise, I think they could have left Max Shrek out. Yeah, that w- there were a whole bunch of problems with the uh, script on this film. Just like <clears throat> bad lines, inconsistent character motivations. It was all over the place. I, I know I liked it when it first came out. I actually had an Oswald mean, uh, Means Order Penguin t-shirt. Oh, cool. That I wore the hell out of. I think until like the sleeves fell out, uh, fell <laughs> off. <laughs> and then Pat wore it and wore it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> By then it, it was just, 1998, one, but Pat this one was care. so much darker. It was. It was. Mm-hmm. A, I mean, the whole opening scene is uh, Oswald Cobblepot's mom and dad throwing him into the river. I, and I think it's awesome that uh, his parents are Paul Rubens and the love interest from Pee Wee's Big Adventure reunited again as the Cobblepots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Originally, it was supposed to be. Um, uh, what's his name from the original TV show? The dad. Oh, it was supposed to be uh, Burgess Mer- Meredith. I think so. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be Burgess Meredith for the uh, for it. So that way, the, but unfortunately, he died before they were able to uh, to get him. And that limits your participation. Well, not yeah. really. I mean, it's not like you can say anything after that. Burgess Meredith in the ashtray. Yikes! I don't know. I, I enjoyed <laughs> it when I first saw it, but I've seen it a couple times since then, and it. I don't know. It just there's just something about it that doesn't work. 
I think DeVito is great, but I mean... Uh, the villains were alright. I think that Batman was a little bit too... Like, when when he's standing in the center of the circle of all of um, the Penguin's circus minions, and they look from one to next to the next to the next to the dog, and then he programs in who he's going to hit with his programmable Batarang, that was kind of shark jumping at that point. Well, yeah. I remember that this film, I, though I liked it right after it came out, uh, it paled pretty fast for me. I, it bothered me. I mean, for one thing, the circus gang, uh, Joker's dead. We're on to Penguin and there are clowns everywhere. That That's bugged me. But whatever. They decided to go the freak show angle. That's OK. We get to a key scene where there's a bomb slash uh, remote control device on the Batmobile. And how does Batman deal with it? He punches through the floor of, of the super Batmobile. <laughs> well, it's because it's bat, bat gloves on Batmobile floor, so they cancel each other out. Yeah, I, I don't know where to start with what's wrong with that. And this movie came out in 92, and I think I've been bitching about this since 93. <laughs> Um, it's always bothered me. It's and it was needless. It, there were so many other ways to handle that, other than to have him just punch through the floor of his car. Yeah, he could have ran over a minion and knocked it off. Sure, or get some sort of. He has established that he has these cool remote control uh, bat batarangs. Why not have him use one of those? Mm -hmm. uh, interestingly, that remote control batarang is uh, one of the first uses of CGI in the series. Really? Yeah. The Batarang or the Batmobile? Uh, the remote control Batarang. Huh. Most of the, uh, I believe all of the effects in the original Batman were practical. But when you get to certain scenes in this one, and that was one of the big ones, they were using uh, computer CGI, okay. basically. Well, I watched this one with the girls, and the only real comment they had to say was during the... Uh the scene where the the penguin is making the announcement to the public, he's make he's got like the press release, and Batman does the voiceover of him saying that he's going to sucker in all of Gotham. And the only thing they really said from the entire movie was, "Why are there always people with rotten food at press releases?" Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's like, where do they get all that lettuce from? So, uh, then a little bit of well, not a little bit of a dry spell. Couple couple uh, ninety two skips over to ninety five, and we have the Schumachering Batman Forever. Yeah, it's interesting because there was original. <laughs> supposed to be uh, the casting of Robin as early as uh, Batman Returns. It was supposed to be Marlon Wayans, but uh, I believe he was injured and couldn't actually be a part of Batman Returns, and by the time it had been uh, passed over from Burton to Schumacher, uh, all of a sudden, it was re the role was recast. Yep, he still got paid for the movies, though. Yep. Uh, so, Batman Forever with Val Kilmer as Batman, uh, Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face, Jim Carrey as the Riddler, Nicole Kidman as Chase Meridian, and Chris O'Donnell as Robin. Um, here we go. Trivia. William Baldwin was reported to be considered for the role of Batman. Other names considered before Val Kilmer was cast included Daniel Day-Lewis, Kurt Russell, Alec Baldwin, Ethan Hawke, <laughs> Ralph Fiennes, Tom Hanks, and Johnny Depp. Well, consider uh, Alec Baldwin played the Shadow, so I mean, it's kind of a similar. I'm, I'm thinking guns. what Tom Hanks as Batman would be like. I, I, I guess it's a natural progression if you consider that you're coming from uh, Michael Keaton. Well, that's true. 
Very right. young Johnny Depp at the time. Um, Batman creator Bob Kane, uh, in an interview with Cinescape magazine, said that of all the actors to have played Batman up to that point, uh, he felt Val Kilmer gave the best imp- interpretation. I would agree. I think so, too. Uh, this movie is particularly frustrating for me because it was so close to being great. <clears throat> It just had too many people in it, too many characters, too, didn't have enough time to really devote to anything. I think this movie could have done without either Two-Face or Riddler or Poison Ivy or Catgirl, any one of those people. Whoa, whoa, it would have been you're, you're mixing, you're, you're up, you're mixing two man. movies, yeah. Well, whatever. I mean, when <laughs> it's, it's, it's in the next one, okay, never mind. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, okay um, then we could have done without Chris O'Donnell. I mean, I'm not saying Robin. Get somebody else. Chris O'Donnell. Ball. Sure. Uh, I think one of the biggest problems with this is you have Jim Carrey at his most undirectable. He, he's gotten to the point point where he is just off doing his thing only barely paying attention to the fact that there's a script Mm -hmm. and then you have tommy lee jones trying to out jim carrey jim carrey for some reason so if you don't have the villains being absolutely abysmal um this is actually a pretty good movie when you get into we're all two people and actually some really interesting things in the script and some solid performances yeah i'm looking at um where this stands in uh, the uh, Jim Carrey lineup now. So tell me how much how much uh, control you're going to have over this guy when his previous movies are. In 1994, there was Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber. Right, and you I know. think Ace Ventura was really the first, like, I'm Jim Carrey, fuck you. Yeah, and then in this, there were, I mean, he, again, it's just like Jack Nicholson. This is the Riddler that everyone expected. They expected the mask with question marks on him. Now, real quick, just a, a fun little fan theory. Are you all right I, there, Josh? I threw at you guys earlier you today. You sounded like you deflated. Yeah. That makes these movies a little bit more interesting and, and tolerable and kind of uh, puts a different spin on it. Somebody had a, a fan theory that, you know, with the first two movies being what they were versus these second two movies being what they are. It, what if you consider these movies to be movies within a movie? They're the film versions of Batman's adventures that are created in the city of Gotham of the Burton verse. So that's why they're so much more brighter. The characters are more hyper stylized. You know, you have a different Batman in each one of the movies. Everything is a lot is a totally different from the first two. So it's like this is the people's interpretation of what the characters were from the Burton verse. And it kind of makes it a little more interesting. And, and if you watch them to kind of put a spin on it and a little more easy to stomach. I actually saw you mention that before I rewatched that and I kept that in mind. But I, I only buy that up to a point. The right. problem is is inconsistency of tone. You, it's really bad form to have in the same movie uh, Kidman and Kilmer talking about the dual nature of man and then cutting to Jim Carrey making cartoon noises. Yeah, to have that whole conversation between the two of them where everything's getting kind of deep on what the whole reality of man is and all that, and then go to the ass-slapping scene between Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey. Right. There was this, it wasn't, there was no middle ground. Well, that's, yeah, so that's just bad editing. Well, well, well there's also, the there's Schumacher's <laughs> gone directing, on record. Bad, edit, bad directing, bad editing. Honestly. Schumacher has gone on record that if he made a third installment in the franchise, he was he was slowly transitioning to the 66 style of Batman. He's always been a fan of, of the original original Adam West version and he wanted to add the pal Biff Zowie into his movies and it was a slow build towards that thing and that's another thing to kind of keep in mind is that he's basing his interpretation off of the 66 more than the you know what Burton was see I think we would have had a totally different and better movie if there was a director that could have controlled these people 
Sure. I, I totally agree. Although it is weird, like all of the love interests up to this point are really crazy, but not in a standard way or for standard reasons. Like uh, Kim Basinger's Vicky Vale completely falls in love with Bruce after they've been on one date and like starts stalking him. Yeah. Then you've got uh, Selena Kyle, where her character is just a mess all over the place. Like we have no idea how she came back from the dead, why she has nine lives. It's because she um, got licked by all those cats. Yeah. yeah pretty much. And uh, like even she, like her relationship with Bruce doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They've barely spoken and already they're deeply in love. And even Chase Meridian gets the same thing where it's like whenever she's in a room with Val Kilmer, whether he's in the rubber suit or not, she's instantly in love with him with no buildup, no reason to establish why they have a relationship, even beyond what we're used to in films. So, yeah. just well, an fall, observation. They fell in love because plot. Right. Yeah. Because script said so. <clears throat> so, his solution to Batman, uh, Batman Forever, is to make it bigger and more obnoxious in the next one, with Batman and Robin. Uh, Pat, I don't know, where do you stand on the Schwarzenegger? This is probably, and this is saying something, my least favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Wow. I, I think I'm yeah. with you on that. Yeah. Like, as much as I hate Last Action Hero, as much as I know you like it, uh, this, to me, is worse. Yeah. He was so horribly miscast and just, it's just, and this movie is just such a pile of suck. <laughs> There's a lot of issues with the movie, for sure. All right, so we got Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze, George Clooney as Batman, Chris O'Donnell as Robin again, Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy, and Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl. Uh, interestingly, <clears throat> through all four of these, we have the same casting for both uh, Commissioner Gordon and uh, Alfred. And uh, with the second movie, uh, rolling it back just a little bit to Batman Returns, that was the first time where you had had uh, Alfred and uh, Gordon played by the same people. I'm sorry, uh, it was Batman Forever. It was the first time you'd had the supporting cast played by the same people where the actor for Batman changed. Mm -hmm. I actually have, I collected all the uh, Alfreds at the end because there's only been three people that have played Alfred. Yeah, over all the live action movies. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Really? Yeah. There's um. Well, let's just I'll scroll down. The one, the one from the TV show. Yeah, Ellen Napier was Alfred from the original '66 movie, and then Michael Gull was Alfred in Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin. And you then think he would have noticed that he kept changing. I think at that point, look at how old he is hanging out with this guy. He's like, you know what? Whatever. You don't Someone's look signing my today, check. sir. Yeah. Uh, and Michael Caine as Alfred in the uh, Christopher Nolan ones. So what's going to happen hmm. in Batman and Robin? Or Batman it's, and first Super... I don't know. Michael Caine? Michael Caine, I hope. Um, Russell so... Brand. <laughs> God, that would... <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> and Russell Brand. And... All right, Both so... Both Alfred. <clears throat> Alfred is being played by Jeremy Irons. Oh, uh, due to, okay, here's some trivia on this one. Due to the difficulty and large amount of time it took to remove the Batman suit, George Clooney reported, reportedly urinated in his suit on at least one occasion. <laughs> Whenever I hear trivia about Clooney, it just makes him a more awesome guy. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's nothing well, not cool about Clooney. Even, <clears throat> even being himself, he's still cool. Uh, well, I mean, I wish he had the foresight of uh, Michael Keaton to say, hey, can we put a zipper in there? Um, <laughs> <Uma> Thurman, <laughs> probably, never mind. Ah, uh, no. uh, well, <laughs> in an interview with cast members, uh, were asked what item from filming they'd like to take home. Schwarzenegger said he would be... <laughs> what would you like to take home? Arnold Schwarzenegger said that he would be taking Mr. Freeze's <laughs> armor. <laughs> Who's going to stop him? This is coming with me. Uh, Uma Thurman said she wanted Ivy's formal throne. Uh, Ellen McPherson said that she just wanted a ball cap that said Batman and Robin on it. And when asked, George Clooney said that he wanted Ellen McPherson. <laughs> 
Uh, Ellie McPeterson. Yes. Uh, yes, Ellie McPeterson. Uh, and Three before George Clooney was ultimately cast, ready for this, David Duchovny was another choice for the role of Batman after Val Kilmer dropped out. Hmm, I don't know about that. I, I, Little he'd be a very Batman. smarmy Batman. Yeah, he would be a really cocky Batman. So there we go. Shall we break? Well, yeah, I want to talk about this pile of crap a little more. Uh-huh. Okay. Because okay. uh, we've, we've barely even touched on uh, like Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl, who is just randomly uh, Alfred's niece. And I, I think badly that, cast as well. Yeah, I mean, it's she was just popular at the time, so she got the role. It's, it's come out, yeah. and I don't even dislike her as an actress. I just think that her character is just bad. Uh, like dimensional, yeah. And uh, I, I do have to give credit uh, for the uh, weird raver gang appearing in both uh, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. All the guys with the neon paint and the, like the skull, yeah, because they are the same ones that Chris O'Donnell fights when he first takes out the Batmobile, and then they show up again uh, for Uma Thurman to take on his Poison Ivy, and they become like her henchmen, or I think Bane. Oh, mm-hmm. Bane, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Bane of your existence. Oh. Oh my God, Bane! Like, There's no even, reason that Arnold Schwarzenegger should not have been Bane in this movie. Well, a Bane was basically okay. You take a zombie and put him in a luchador mask. Uh, so they they take put a bunch a, of tubes in him. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean they, they give him this origin, but then they take the one one of the two things that characterizes Bane. Sure, he's got the super strength by the toxin, but he's also brutally intelligent, and yeah. make him barely conscious. I, I wouldn't even call him mentally challenged. He was not that smart. Yeah, they, they just turned him into a beast. I mean, they, they just all they wanted to use him for was his size. And if they just scratch the Mr. Freeze character from this movie altogether, make Bane a better character, more reliable and, and more accurate to the to the comic books, and put Arnold in that character, this is a much better movie just but just by that. Mm-hmm. And just cut Batgirl entirely. I mean, yeah, cut, she's... cut her entirely exactly. Well, and, I think they felt her. since Chris O'Donnell was in it, since they had Robin, they had to have a romantic interest for Robin. They had to have the no, they didn't. Well, <laughs> I know they didn't. They, they, they did. They, they thought. They they did, did yeah. They did. Um, one one quick uh, trivia before we head out. Chris O'Donnell um, insisted that he drive the Batmobile in this movie. Chris uh, O'Donnell should not insist to do anything. Well, he immediately ran it into a curb and dented the front fender. Oh, jeez. Yes. So I hope they brought yeah, back Luke Perry as his older brother to kick his ass. <laughs> Uh, he was beaten by a circle of friends, so it's okay. Oh. Uh. Should we take a break, guys? Yeah, I think we have to now. Okay. Bat nipples. <laughs> And welcome back to Batman Movies Part 2. We are crossing over into the 2000s. And the Christopher Nolan Batman. What was that? <laughs> I don't that, know. Was, that, was, that was for Luke from Chicago. <laughs> we, can't, we can't do that through the whole thing, can we? 
No, no. we can't. No, no uh, we, will, we will not. <laughs> what's odd is like that's the common joke is in the Christopher Nolan, like Christian Bale doing the gravelly voice. But actually looking back through the uh, movies we talked about in the first half, just about all of them except Clooney did a version of the gravelly voice Batman while they were in the costume. Mm-hmm. And they actually, I believe, edited um, Christian Bale's voice even deeper in post. Uh, I could see that. Yeah. So uh, Batman begins after a, wow, a long span, 1997 to 2005. There is no Batman movies to be found. Uh, Then we find out that Christian Bale and Liam Neeson and Gary Oldman in another amazing role that he's never going to get an Oscar for uh, show up. Michael Caine as Alfred. Uh, Katie Holmes and her two friends as Rachel Dawes. <laughs> Cillian Murphy as Jonathan Crane Scarecrow. Tom Wilkinson as Carmen Falcone. And Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox. Yeah, in the years in between these, like, Batman and Robin did so badly. It so tarnished the franchise that they canceled the Dark Knight Triumphant, which already had been announced. And they were trying to figure out what they were going to do. They were talking about actually making The Dark Knight Returns as a film. They were talking about maybe doing Batman Beyond live action. And then they settled on this reboot. Best idea ever for Batman. Let's just start over. Forget it all happened. In terms of movies, yes. Yeah. No, and for Batman movies, man, this reboot was... Okay, Mm -hmm. first off, I know that Christopher Nolan sold his soul to the devil to get Michael Caine as Alfred. Because... Well, what? I, I don't know. Nolan's got a, a really good reputation, so. Well, I'm. I mean, Alfred Michael Caine as Alfred is amazing. Yes. Yeah, and plus, it's not a particularly uh, challenging role in terms of the amount of days that needed to be shot. Uh, this is after Michael Caine uh, has gone into semi-retirement. He's still done a few full-length films, but this. Uh, as prolific as Alfred is, when you look at how much screen time he has, this couldn't have taken terribly long for him to film. No, but every time he's in, every time he's in frame, it's all about Alfred. He's great. I mean, the just the way he talks to, to uh, Christian Bale, the way they have where Bruce the re- I think the relationship between Alfred and Christian Bale. I'm sorry, Alfred and Christian Bale. Alfred and Bruce Wayne in this. You can kind of look at the TV show Gotham and see their relationship and see how that this relationship between the two adults came from the kid and him. The progression, right. The progression, how it's like they're always a little bit snarky at each other. You know, they're, you know, he learned how to fight from this guy. He, you know, he brought him up. There's that, there's, you can see that relationship building in the Gotham TV show to uh, um, the Batman Begins movies. So, I agree with that. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think this is the best representation of their their relationship. This movement, these movies. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I it, well, let's skip into the th- don't want to skip to the third one, but some trivia in this one. Uh, Christian Bale revealed in interviews in '09 that in in his first ever scene with Michael Caine and Morgan Freeman, where he wakes up in bed uh, to find them there, he actually had fallen asleep getting ready for the scene. Bale described waking up to find Michael Caine poking him in the ribs, saying, "Look at that! He's bloody fallen asleep." So, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also for a random Chicagoan making Chicagoans proud, while shooting the movie on the streets of Chicago, a person accidentally crashed into the Batmobile. Whoops. The driver was apparently drunk and said he hit the car in a state of panic, believing that the Dark Knight's vehicle to be an invading alien spacecraft. Doing it's us pretty about right. good excuse. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, 
on Lower Wacker Drive? Sure. <laughs> Makes total sense. Uh, and although Christian Bale performed many of his own stunts, he wasn't allowed anywhere near the Batmobile. Well, yeah, after uh, Chris O'Donnell crashed, nuts crashed it. it. Yeah. Chris O'Donnell ruined it for the rest of us. Yeah. As can be said about so many things. Oh. Mini driver. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so this one, honestly, I think if you're looking for an origin story for Batman, I mean, they... It shows the obsession that he's got in getting this this justice out of his system. They did a really good job of making exposition not seem like exposition. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They also set the bar really high with regards to the challenge in saying we're going to make a, a Batman in a world where there's no superpowers, there's no real uh, supernatural elements, and who's our first villain going to be? Raj al Ghul. Guy who lives forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, something that I noticed in watching and reading up on these movies, in every single one of the Christian Bale Batman movies, the main villain is masquerading as one of his own henchmen. Oh, that's cool. Liam Neeson is the assumed henchman of... Ra's al Ghul. Ra's al Ghul, and the second one, the Joker, is one of the henchmen that's running the, ga- running the uh, gig in the opening scene, and in the last one, Bane is assumed to be one of his own henchmen in the plane. So that's pretty cool. What's awesome is their uh, double take uh, showing uh, Liam Neeson first as Ducard and then as Ra's al Ghul. If you look at the comic book representations of those two characters, Liam Neeson looks like the middle. If you were to take uh, Ducard and Ra's al Ghul and put them next to each other, he looks like someone who would be right in the middle of those two characters. So he was perfectly cast to play either and in this case both. I think a, a lot of thought went into the casting in this. Well, I, I think outside of, of uh, Benjamin McKenzie's portrayal of young Gordon, I think Gary Oldman is, is my favorite representation of the character so far on screen. And I think Cillian Murphy was just spot on perfect for, for Scarecrow. I mean, he made that character come to life for me. Oh, yeah. Cillian Murphy, you know what he reminds me of in the creepiness level? Reminds me of, uh, uh, and of course I lost his name, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. James Spader? James Spader? Yeah, he reminds me of that early James Spader creepiness. Interesting. He's just kind of a a character that he can either be a really good guy or a really bad guy. And he's got that charisma that he can walk either side of that fence. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I don't know. I just, yeah, I think the the casting overall was was pretty spot on for the for this first one. Well, they had so much riding on it, like you said, Pat. After the after the or, uh, Josh after the crash of Batman and Robin, they had to get this off. You know, had to come out of the gates. Amazing. Otherwise, they would never get another shot at it. Yeah, watching this again, there was one thing that bothered me. I wanted to stab people in the eyes every time they pronounced Falcone's name, Falcone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, something that they actually fixed for the Dark Knight is that his name is only said, I think, twice, but they pronounce it correctly. And it wasn't just Katie Holmes. It was everyone who referred to Falcone. They called him Falcone. Hmm. And it just bothered me. And I, I also like it was interesting the way they presented Carmine Falcone. But if you look at him in the context of the mob bosses in the second film, uh it's hard to believe that Carmine Falcone, as portrayed by Tom Wilkinson, ever commanded the legion of mob bosses that we see in the second film. 
it's I don't think that he was badly acted, but he certainly doesn't have the presence where I would say, oh, this guy definitely ruled all of these other guys with an iron fist. Did you notice that Morgan Freeman and Katie Holmes are the only American actors or in this entire list of the main characters who are all I did not. Hmm. I mean, Cillian Murphy, Tom Wilkinson, Gary Oldman, Liam Neeson, Michael Caine and Christian Bale are all imports. Burners. Imports. Imports. <laughs> I don't know what else to call them because they're from different parts. They're not all from. Anyway. I, I guess we can also give this uh, credit if you're going to count uh, Falcone as a villain. This is one of the Falcone, few. Josh. <laughs> Falcone <laughs> as a villain. Uh, I'm going to kill you. Carmine Falcone. <laughs> Come on, get it right. Uh, as being the only Batman film, in my opinion, that did multiple villains really well. Uh, maybe not the only one. Maybe all of Nolan's uh, do that, or at least the first two. Mm-hmm. But usually one of the problems with a Batman flick is when they try and jam so many villains in that it wrecks the plot. Uh, yeah. Usually it works pretty well. Yeah, they... Well, who who wrote the script on this one? Was it Nolan who wrote it? It was yeah. Nolan and his brother. If you can do a script like Inception and <laughs> or have Memento. It, yeah, or Memento and have it make sense. Well, I mean as much sense as it makes, but maybe have people be able to follow it, then tossing a couple villains together isn't as big of a challenge. I mean they're they're already proved themselves as being excellent script writers. Yeah, he can he can weave a tale, that's for sure. Yeah. So uh so this one, uh quick plot, if you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Go go watch it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Liam Neeson as Ducard and Raza Ghoul. Oh shit! Spoilers. No, we already said that. Already, already said that. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, that's already been wrecked. I re- ruined it. So uh, he wants to cleanse Gotham. I find it interesting how IMDb doesn't want to spoil it still to this day. <laughs> well, yeah, because yeah, if you're watching it for the first time, Ken Watanabe is introduced as Ra's al Ghul, even though he's probably closer to a villain we passed over in our villain show, a very minor character from the League of Assassins named Sensei. Hmm. So, and, and you would never think that, that Ken Watanabe, Watanabe would come and, <laughs> I always screwed that up, would come and do a role that actually turns out to be not very important. A red herring, yeah. 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 So normally that's one of the things that kind of spoils something, you know, when you're like when you when you're like watching an episode of television, you're like, oh look, they they've got you know, uh, I don't know, Bruce Valanche guest starring or something, <laughs> and you're like, well, you know, and then, and then they try and pass him off as a minor character. You're like, Bruce okay, yeah, Valanche he's not going to come back later and be something important. No, not at all. Yeah. So oh. It's pretty impressive that he took that role, knowing that it was going to be just a red herring. It is Bruce Valanche. So, <laughs> God. All right, so that's that's the rundown. You also have the secondary plot line of Scarecrow trying to poison the reservoir with his psychotic drug, which turns out that it's all part of one Rajal Ghoul's anyway, because it's all Rajal Ghoul's plan. We're all just part of it. Can I just say that that design of those trains was awful? Oh, the L trains that they had. Yeah, like you don't need like a four-story high tower just <laughs> to put a train on top of it, you know. Like, I mean, I was, can you imagine like being a commuter? You got to like you know walk up like eight flights of stairs just to get to your train every day. That would be ridiculous. But well, uh, maybe I mean because you're in Gotham, you're like I'm going to be on these stairs where the muggers can only wait for me single file. <laughs> <laughs> and we go back to why does anybody normal live in Gotham? <laughs> right, yep. and all the people that do live in Gotham all apparently live on this little island that's getting overrun with this gas. Yeah. 
Like there's, there's two sections of, of Gotham. There's where the rich people are, and then there's the Narrows, where everybody that doesn't have a million-dollar penthouse lives. lives. Yeah. Now, did you guys see this film when it first came out? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah I, I, I want to say I saw it twice uh, in the theater right in the first week. I did, too. I saw it twice myself. I saw it once. I, I, wanted, I, wanted, well, uh, I wanted to go see it. Okay, this is um, – when I first saw this movie, I was like, oh, my God, this is my favorite superhero movie ever. And then I saw Iron Man 1, and I was like, oh, my God, this is my favorite superhero ever, superhero movie ever. And then I saw The Dark Knight, and, and I was like, okay, now this is my favorite <laughs> superhero movie. And I was like, now, now I was like, the next everything is going to top it. But no, I mean, leading into this next movie, The Dark Knight is still my favorite superhero. Really? Avengers didn't unseat it. Oh, it nope. almost right. it, it, Avengers, you know, I, I liked it a lot, but it did not unseat Dark Knight. Yeah, I agree. I see. I think Avengers was amazing and it's my favorite superhero movie. But my favorite Batman movie is The Dark Knight. This is in. This is probably no no joke. The Dark Knight might be in my top like twenty of all time. Oh, easy. Yeah, I mean, I love this movie. So let's make the step. Then uh, we have Christian Bale coming back as Batman with Heath Ledger as the Joker, Aaron Eckert as Harvey Dent, Maggie Gyllenhaal as Rachel, Gary Oldman back again as Gordon, and Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox. And again, again, uh, I'm sorry, I left him out. Michael Caine as Alfred. Uh, also. Here's some trivia. In Michael Caine's opinion, Heath Ledger beat the odds and topped Jack Nicholson's Joker from Batman. In an interview, he was uh, reported as saying, Jack was like a clown figure, benign but wicked, maybe a killer old uncle. He could be funny and make you laugh. Heath's gone in a completely different direction to Jack. He's like a really scary psychopath. He's a lovely guy, and his Joker is going to be a hell of a revelation in this picture. Uh, Kane bases this belief on a scene uh, where they're up in Bruce's uh, penthouse, where the Joker pays a visit to Bruce Wayne's penthouse. He had never met Ledger before this scene. So when Heath Ledger arrives in full Joker makeup, he scared Kane so badly that he forgot his lines. Wow. Saying something. Well, yeah. yeah, you make you make Sir Michael Caine forget his lines. <laughs> you've, you've done something. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> during a PR campaign before the movie's release, a website related to the film, and if I'm remembering it cl- correctly, this was an ARG that came out, an alternate re- reality game, that you would get like phone calls in the middle of the night from Joker's henchmen and that sort of thing. I have to check on that, but I'm pretty sure this is what it was. But they had sent out several cakes purportedly from the Joker containing a cell phone inside which made, which made the cake vibrate, and it had wires sticking out, making it look like a bomb. Yikes. Yeah. One such news station received one of the cakes and believed it to be an actual bomb, and the entire building was evacuated. Yeah, now, I could see that. Correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe I'm the only one, but when Ledger was cast, did everybody kind of do a collective, what? Like Michael Keaton as Batman? Yeah, people were talking, they were running their mouths so hard. Well, I mean, after you see the glory of a knight's tale, how could it be anybody else? I mean, I liked him. I didn't have a problem with him, but in my mind, I just really? couldn't wrap my head around it. Nothing? And Until I saw the movie in the theater, which I saw, <laughs> shut up, I saw knight's the movie... Tale? A, c- a couple times in the theater, um, I, I, I didn't get it. And then after I saw it in the theater, I went, oh. Brothers and Grimm. What's that? The, Brothers the, Grimm. The no. first time I saw this movie yeah. uh, was with a group of friends of mine. There were eight of us that went to see it. And when, when the Joker, when, when he did that first scene with the, the, let me show you a magic trick. I mean, the entire audience, we all just went, ah! I mean, it was It was awesome. I mean that was a, that was an actual like theater experience I'm going to remember for my whole life because I mean none of nobody was expecting that and it was just such a great like mm-hmm. I mean even though it was the second scene for him it kind of was the introduction to just how you know 
crazy he is that whole scene and it, he just was so amazing and blue i mean you got the full grasp of him because even during the bank robbery scene you didn't know it was him for you know three quarters of the scene you didn't you know and all kinds of you know and you got a little bit of a glimpse of him you know when with the smoke grenade and all that kind of stuff but that that was actually the first time you got to see the full range of the joker and it was very impressive yeah yeah that opening bank robbery is definitely different now that i've played payday and payday 2 yeah <laughs> It's the guys with the masks and this crack plan drilling the vault and then everyone getting shot. Yeah, you have, sweet. It's, you, you have a lot more respect for what happened in that first scene. Uh, when here's something, Joel appreciate this. Hey, uh, what is Heath Ledger's first film? Ever? 1992, Clowning, ar- oh, clowning Around. <laughs> he, played ah. an, he played an orphan clown and was uncredited. I thought it was 10 Things I Hate About You. I thought that was his first. No, he, well... He was. He did. He, he did, did some movies in Australia that, that haven't really made it here. Well, anyway. Yeah. So, but um, one of the other things I found out in reading about these, the tongue thing from the Joker. Oh, uh, where he's constantly like licking his lips. Yeah, that's not the Joker. That's Heath. That's really? His, that's his thing. That he he had a habit of doing that weird lick, licking the lip thing. But that's actually Heath Ledger. That's not the Joker doing that. So he's oh, he was repressing that urge in all of his other roles, apparently. And mm. if you're going to have a weird tick, a weird something weird that you do all the time, them's a good time to do it. Yep. So, anybody got something to say about this movie? Yeah, well, I, more. Yeah, I mean, we could do a whole show just on this movie. Yeah, I unabashedly love this movie. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to the superb Aaron Eckhart, uh, with the exception mm. of maybe. Uh, I Frankenstein and Battle for Los Angeles. I just think he's absolutely phenomenal every single time I see him in whatever. Yeah, he's. he's yeah. Have, have you seen Thank You for Not Smoking? Yes. I've heard that's really good. good. I have that. to see that. In the Company of Men, it's the first ex- experience I had with Aaron Eckhart. And if any, any, any per actor who's capable of making you feel physically angry towards a character on the screen that he's portraying is a, is a mark of a good actor. And for me, I, I, I thought two face was the, the, the weak point in this, in this whole movie. Um, not his portrayal of Harvey Dent, but once he became two face, things just kind of, it was like too much. Um, okay. Pretty good though. Yeah. And I could see someone saying this movie was a little over long just due to the fact that it has a rise and a fall, but then it keeps going after he becomes two face. Mm hmm. See, I, I well, think if they could have, if he would have played the part out, and then that would have waited for him for the third one or something else, I, I would have been a little bit more sold on it. But this still is my my favorite of the superhero movies to date, and I, I agree with Pat on that. It's it's my favorite, and I I just unabashedly love it as I think we've said already before. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I I do not envy the next person that has to play Joker in anything. I don't know if they're going to let anybody play Joker after this. Well, Jared well, Leto is. But you know well, they was, said they said that after Nicholson too. So well, sure they were yeah. talking about him for the Suicide Squad movie, but now that's in contention. So I don't know. Well, the according to some of the other stuff that I've read is that the third movie, if um, Heath Ledger hadn't have died, would have been uh, Two Faces. Uh, gang and the Joker fighting it out over control of uh, Gotham. Oh my god, that would have been so awesome. Wouldn't that have been? That, that would have been amazing. But and, this movie to me is like The Empire Strikes Back. I mean, it ends on a down note mm-hmm. um, and, and everything about it, it, it just starts out with a bang and just doesn't let go. I mean, it just holds you 
firmly the entire length of the movie. Oh yeah, and it's one of those movies where you finish watching it and you look up look up at the clock as you're walking out and you're like, I've been here how long? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know I'm picking nits. I, I do love the movie, but I... I don't know that I'd say I didn't feel how long the movie was, even the first time I saw it. It's almost three hours, and it kind of feels like it. Yeah, I I disagree with that. I I, I agree with Joel on that one. I don't remember feeling like I, I was in the theater for three hours when I was watching it. See, I, I recognize that the movie was long, but it wasn't a, oh, my God, I've been here for so long. When it, it's not, it wasn't a, when is it going to end feeling? It was, oh, my God, there's more. Yeah, I, that's, that's fair. I don't think that it's, uh, the extra length is not welcome, but uh, when you look at it <laughs> from a pacing standpoint, if I'm going to find a nit to pick, it will be on the uh, the pacing of the film where it almost feels like you've got a complete story three quarters of the way through the film mm-hmm. and then it just keeps going. My favorite line from the entire movie has got to be, it, well, is, do I look like a guy with a plan? Joker dressed as dressed in the uh, maid's uniform or the nurse's uniform. Yeah, and it just that whole interaction between him and Harvey Dent in the hospital room is like a dog chasing an ambulance. If I, if I caught it, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Who was that? That was that was my Joker. Oh, oh, I thought that was Woody Allen. <laughs> I was going to go Sammy Davis again. <laughs> You're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we end on a down note, and we come back to the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, the third in the trilogy. Uh, Christian Bale, Bruce Wayne, Gary Oldman, Commissioner Gordon, Tom Hardy as Bane, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Blake, Anne Hathaway as Selina Kyle, Marion Cotillard, Cotillard, Cotillard as Cotillard, Miranda, yeah. and Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox. Oh, we kind of uh, glossed over one of the casting choices from The Dark Knight. Can I just say oh. that Maggie Gyllenhaal, I've always thought she looked kind of like a basset hound. That's all hey. I have to say about, hey. about her. Hey, I'm not arguing against it, but hey. I think she's nice. Strange way. Yeah. Watch so. when she walks out of the courtroom scene um, after they indict all of uh, the guys and she's talking to Harvey Dent. Watch her boobs when she's walking and uh, you'll, you'll never be able to watch that scene again without watching her boobs. Uh, kind of like, like Katie Holmes at the end just, of the first one. Trust me on it. Just watch it. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Every time you see it. What? Jowls. I don't think I could get past that. Anyway. She's got a a funny nose. Just watch Stranger Than Fiction and you'll fall in love with her if you're not a fan already. That is is true. That she is great in that movie. What about Secretary? She's just straight up up sexy in that. uh, Anyway. So, uh, so, So, some trivia. When Selena Kyle disappears from the rooftop, Batman's remark is, so that's what that feels like. Uh, lifted directly from a DC graphic novel, Kingdom Come, and the circumstances similar except Superman leaves him. So uh, Tom Hardy steps in as five foot ten, had to wear three inch lifts in his shoes to make his character appear as tall or taller than fellow co-stars of Christian Bale and Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine. And ha- here's that. Um, oh no, this uh, is this is the head. Heath Ledger not died. The film would have involved the Joker going on trial while Two Face went on a rampage across Gotham. So that's how that changed. Sorry, yeah. got that wrong. But. Uh, out of the three, I think this is my least favorite. Just, I was so expecting, when I knew Bane was going to be in it, I didn't expect a dude in a fur coat. I was expecting... I don't know. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to argue with you that this is the weakest of the three, but I think this movie gets a whole lot of crap it doesn't deserve. I agree. 100% I agree. agree. Oh, I'm not saying I don't like it. I People definitely were don't set say out it. not to like it just because they, you know, they, they were, Heath Ledger wasn't going to be in it. Honestly, people were set to be disappointed from the beginning. Yeah, because everybody wanted him to come back, but still, right. too much of a good thing for one. But I think, I mean, I think Tom Hardy did a good job as Bane. I just was expecting 
Bane. You know, I, I was think ex- he did. I think he did a great job. I love him in this movie. No, I mean, I, I do. I mean, I do think he did a great job as like a, you know, the social, you know, I don't say social justice warrior. I don't want to say that. I want to say the, the social terrorist. You know, he to level the playing field type thing. I think he was really good as the, at that part. And once they got the whole voice thing figured out, so then everybody could understand all the great lines that he had. Um, I was just expecting him to have the because one of the things about Bane is that he's got you think Bane, you think the Venom serum. And I was like, sure. See, and that's I was so when I heard Bane was in here, I was hoping that you'd have the scene where, all right, throw down between Bane and Batman. Bane pulls the plug and just bulks up and goes after him. And while the fight was cool. You know, it just, I, I was expecting more than that. Well, well, I mean, if you listen to Christopher Nolan's theory on these films, you had to know Venom wasn't going to make an appearance. This is a non-superpowered, non-super high-tech, non-whatever, supernatural yeah. take. Much more set in the real world. Yeah. But, well, I mean, but if steroids are kind of real world. If Dark Knight was The Empire Strikes Back, then this would be The Return of the Jedi, and at least there were no Ewoks. So, I mean, if you're going to take a take away from it. Um, but no, I, th- I thought, I mean, you guys talk about, and I'm not real familiar with Bane in the comics, but how intelligent he is along with being this massive hulking brute of a, of a terrible person here, you've got the intelligence, just not the brute strength as much. I agree with that. And I thought Tom Hardy put out a great performance. Uh, I loved Joseph Gordon Levitt, uh, his take on the character, obviously pushing him in sort of a Robin sort of direction. Mm, well, sort of. They right out call him out on it at the very end. Right. Well, uh, but they're almost leaning more towards a Nightwing or a, or he takes the mantle of Batman. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the spectacularly subtle placement of the Miranda character who, if you're watching her tattoos, it is very, very clear that Miranda is actually Talia al Ghul. Mm-hmm. Oh, spoilers. I thought that was so sweet. Uh, and what's strange is, like, I am typically a huge sure. Anne Hathaway fan. I think she's just awesome. Wait, wait, before I, we move on to Anne Hathaway, did you did you figure it out the first time, that she, who she was before yeah, this? I, it? I didn't. As soon as I saw the tattoo, uh, I knew oh, it's like, oh, that's Talia. That's a, League, that's a League of Shadows tattoo. Cool. Anyway, you were saying about Anne Hathaway. I love Anne Hathaway. Like, I just think she's awesome, and I did not care for her performance in this film. I thought she was actually one of the worst Catwomen I've ever seen. Wow. Which is a shame, because I I just think she's a great actress. Uh, Absolutely cute, but no, not didn't do it for me in this. Who would you have had otherwise? I don't know that it was a casting. Maybe it was. I mean, I like Nolan as a director, but Jessica Biel. No, uh, maybe ten years ago. I just want to see her in that outfit. I'm sure you just want to see her in any outfit. I'd like to see her in no outfit. Yeah, that can be done. Anyway, um, I don't have a recasting suggestion. I just uh, don't feel that she did a very good job. It's a real shame. Well, I think with all the, I guess the heavyweights in this. I just think that her character didn't didn't have enough oomph to the whole movie. You know what I mean? She got outshined a bit. Yeah, yeah, I really do. Because I, I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Well, the first off, I want to say for the for the little uh, long-haired kid from Third Rock from the Sun, he certainly uh, come back real nice. No uh, kidding. Yeah, seeing him in uh, Inception oh, and then this. Scene and oh, this. my God. Yeah. I mean, you it's... I've heard that's really yeah, good. Yeah, I have. Amazing. If you, 
want to cry, go ahead and watch that. Oh, good. He's a he's a he's a guy who's taken his childhood fame and money and everything experience and flipped it to be what he wants. I mean, he's he's got his own. I don't know if it still exists, his own internet or TV show uh, where he encourages people to make their own movies um, called Just Push Play. Um, he's picking smart roles um, like Hesher or Fifty Fifty, or I mean, he's he's doing all the right moves to transition from child actor to what he is now. And I think you're going to continue to see him go that route. Um, did anybody notice uh, ever since the when I I got this movie for Christmas on Blu-ray and sat down and watched it Christmas Day, and I hadn't seen it before. Um, it's the only one I didn't see in the theaters. And from the very beginning of the movie, it seemed like through the entire movie, there was a constant drone of sound. And you can hear it very audibly in the first sequence with the, the airplane, the jet. And it just continues throughout the whole movie, and it makes it very uneasy. It's almost like an irreversible where they're using sound to kind of keep you on edge. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody noticed that, but I'll it carries out that, through totally nolan's purpose it's like the first two uh, two acts of the movies it's there mm-hmm. and then it just hmm. kind of drops out did anybody else notice um bane knitting during the courtroom scene <laughs> no no yeah supposedly it's supposed to be like a tip of the hat to like the uh, french revolution okay Ow. well because there's there was um there was a one woman during that that like while the executions were going on, just sat there and knitted. Oh uh, yeah, let them eat sweaters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, despite all the the, the hate that this movie gets, <laughs> because it was going to happen, because it's hard to top something like like Ledger's performance and what what Nolan did with the second film. I agree with Josh. I think it gets a lot of un, unnecessary hate towards it because it really is. It's a solid film. It's a good installment in the trilogy. It finishes it out. Uh, okay, it's a little bit funky at the very end, but all in all, I mean, it, it's satisfying. I feel like I, I got what I wanted. It left me wanting a little bit more because it ended on a on a minor key with you know Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt wandering into the Batcave, but and now we've all, I think we've all been let down that there's nothing coming. <laughs> there's not another movie coming with Nightwing or Robin. But. Oh. Yeah. That would still be cool. I would have loved to see him do in the Nolan verse to, to take on Nightwing and continue the story into the next generation. I mean, I, I'm curious to see what happens with Batman versus Superman, but. I don't, I don't think Nightwing has enough following. Just saying that they're going to like. I don't know. I'd never put heard in, of him until we did Batman. Put in the right hands. I see. I think a Nightwing movie would turn out like. I don't think. I don't think there's enough of a following. I agree with Pat on this one. That everyone would be like, I. They don't. They're not going to know who it is. Yeah, you've got to be a probably a pretty hardcore comics nerd to know who he is. It's going to be. Mean, like, I don't even. I don't even really you know follow or know much about like Green Lantern before the movie came out or anything. But I at least knew of him. You know, I mean, I don't. I'd never even heard of this character until we did this. Like I said. Yeah, you know what case? You know what it's going to be like? It's going to be like um, John Carter of Mars. They did the uh, the John Carter movies, and they just called it John Carter. Assumingly, with the expectation that everyone would be like, "Oh, I know exactly who John Carter is." If they do a Nightwing movie, 
there isn't going to be enough of the general population that's going to go, oh, yeah, that's what Robin became after, you know, he broke away from Batman and went on on his own. And it, I think that'll crash the movie. I would have liked to have seen it. Well, like, yeah, I I'd still, still watch it. I, yeah, I still would have watched it. I just don't think it would have done any good at the theaters. That's probably fair. So. So we're we're going to now have some time off of Batman movies until we see uh, Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. And that's coming out 2015, 16? Uh, two years in a row? That's odd. Yeah, that's first part, second part. You know about that? Uh, Dawn of Justice uh, release date March twenty fifth, two thousand sixteen. Yeah, I agree. And I know that a lot of people were angry about Ben Affleck. Uh, I'm willing to give him a chance. If Michael, yeah, Michael, you know, like I said, the same thing with Michael Keaton, Mister Mom, and he was, you know, as we knew back in nineteen eighty nine, he was a pretty good Batman. Yeah. In retrospect, we have different opinions now, but during the time, we thought it was great. And yes, I have seen Daredevil. However, I've also seen Argo. So it's not that the guy can't act. <laughs> and uh, it, he was in, you know, in Gone Girl. You can even see that he's already beefing up. I mean, he he, he, pretty, just, he looked pretty stout in Gone Girl. He just doesn't always make smart choices. That's all. I mean, he's he's done he's done just like any actor. He's had his ups and downs. And I I, I was the first one in the camp to kind of go have a collective oh boy because of Daredevil. But you know, uh, after Ledger and some other actors I've seen pull off some amazing things i'm not gonna judge it until i've seen it and can really speak to it um so i mean it's not like they said you know steve-o is gonna be batman <laughs> phantom yeah, that'd be bomb. a bad choice yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know that that would yeah i mean the guy but, can act is my point <laughs> right no sometimes he doesn't but he can oh no he definitely can I, I i i do not disagree with that at all and and after seeing superman i was mm, I, I that i don't know i'm still a little mixed on that but I mean, I know this is a, a, a not at all the, on topic, but why did everybody hate Brandon Routh as Superman? He's a gr- I love Brandon I Routh. I loved him. I thought he was great, but everybody hated him. Uh, I just I don't love think, him. Yeah, I don't think most people hated him. I think a lot of people hated the script. Um, Kate Bosworth was awful. I mean, I did you, if you saw Dylan Dog Dead of Night, even though it's not a fantastic movie, he's just so likable in that movie. You just can't. And, not, and, and Zach and Mary Morneau, he was funny. I like him as an actor, so yeah. But anyway, that's sidestepping to our Superman show that we'll do some other time. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of if we see uh, Christian Bale's Batman casually kill anybody or if he's pretty much – I am I think he's a more on-point Batman like yeah. than any of the ones well, – we never see Clooney casually murder anybody. <laughs> no, I don't uh, think – I don't think um, – uh, Kilmer? damn it! What's his name now? Oh, I don't think Bale ever casually or or or, or not. I don't think he ever does. Yeah, they made a made a pretty big point of him with uh, the League of Shadows. Well, he he did kill uh, Ken Watanabe's character. Uh, that was an accident, Watanabe. though. He didn't, Watanabe. That he didn't Watanabe. purposely drop the uh, drop the roof on him, well, and he even goes to check to see if he's all right, and he's like, "Nope, he's not." <laughs> That's yeah, a house it, on this guy. It wasn't just he walked away from it, right? He didn't just, uh, you know, Bruce Willis it and leave. You got to mention some of the other guys died. Probably, but again, how much but, of that was his doing, though? Oh well, yeah, but still, I mean, did he directly like kill anyone? Probably no, not. No, it, but that was inadvertent. He didn't really have a choice in that. Some people did die, though. He didn't extent. strap a bomb on anybody and kick them down a sewer. 
Right. And I, and I, I see what you guys were saying about those original films. I was just thinking, I didn't think about it in those terms, but I, I, I see what you're saying. And yeah, I don't think Bale did in his take on it. All right. So it sounds like we're all pretty much in agreement, at least on the modern Nolan films. Uh, I've spoken to people that feel that the portrayal of Batman was off, that they didn't get it. And I, I get where they're coming from, that there is a lot more gravelly, a lot more uh, martial arts and a little less world's greatest detective. But I guess my counterpoint to that is if you think that Bale wasn't a successful Batman Point to me someone who was. Mm-hmm. I think he's the best we've got. I agree with that. He's not the Batman we want. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I, do, I do really, though, agree that, that he sh- they should have focused a little more on the whole detective angle. Shown him just being a little more, uh, I don't know. At the back computer Googling something? Yeah, yeah intellectual, exactly. Yeah, because, I mean, Batman's biggest thing is if he has time to plan... He will use his mind and use his tools to set the situation to his advantage. And that's not really true with any of the portrayals of Batman we've seen in the films. Generally speaking, it's he doesn't plan. He doesn't think he runs into a situation and either uses a gadget or punches it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's that. that The one little, uh, as Joel was a minor keynote on the entire Batman movie's experience. Yep. Movie. The movies. <laughs> All right, so what's on the stove for next week? On the stove for next week is not Mike. Yes, oh, Mike is going to be out of town and once again in a place with no internet connection. Known as so, Missouri. Instead, we are uh, trading uh, Teske for Teske and we'll be bringing Matt back. Yeah, my little brother's coming around and they're going to uh, have a chit-chat about music players and formats. So cassette players, CD players, iPods, that uh, old uh, gramophone that Patrick used to carry around on his back. DVD, wax cylinders, uh, LPs. Mini discs. Boom boxes. Yeah. Boom boxes and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, so next week is what we're going to be doing, or they're going to be doing. And uh hope you guys enjoyed Bat Month. If you have any other ideas or something like that, another month-long uh, celebration of one specific topic, uh, definitely give us a call. Give us a ring at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Or you can email us at 40go14 at gmail.com. Uh, also on Twitter at at 40go14. And if yeah, want, if there's something in this these four weeks that you hear that uh, you're sure we've left out, and uh, there's so much in 75 Years of Batman, I'm sure there's something we missed. But we tried to get most of it. Yeah, if we missed your favorite Batman elements, please let us know. Yeah. Any of you King Tut fans out there, feel free to call in and mention <laughs> us for not talking about him. Hard, hardcore <laughs> egghead fans. Or the bookworm. <laughs> Right. So if you want to check out our other Batman or other wise related shows, you can always check out our archives at iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, or at our home on the web at www.40go14.com. Also at the Musings of a Geek podcast network at www.musingsofageek.com and Saturdays at noon on Geek Life Radio. Yes. Well, thank you for I listening. Agree. Patrick Regrees. <laughs> na 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 bat month is done far away oh god i just got it out of my head <laughs> winchester cathedral
could be worse. It could be Boy Wonder, I Love You. <laughs> Don't give him any ideas. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. You are now leading the world of Musings of a Geek podcast network. Stay geeky, my friends. Have you heard of Mike? George Clooney and the Poop? That sounds like a children's book.